Good morning, Orlando. Thursday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch here at 6 o'clock. Our first check now on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, a daycare owner apologizes for a little boy's death. And North Korea makes more threats against Guam. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And in this half hour, Trump versus North Korea... Trump versus McConnell on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. A daycare owner's apology for a boy's death appears to be falling on deaf ears. Little Miracles Academy co-owner Audrey Thornton apologized yesterday for the death of a three-year-old left in a hot van outside the center on Monday. At a press conference outside her lawyer's office, Thornton said she's hurt and devastated by what happened. But vowed to keep, uh, but vowed to fight to keep her business open. I want to apologize to Mouse, grandmother, Yvette, Chanel, and the whole Banks family. I'm so sorry. A relative of the child, though, tells the Orlando Sentinel, "Sorry is not going to cut it." This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Meanwhile, the driver who left a little Miles Hill to die in a hot van has been fired, but that's likely to be the least of her problems. The, the unidentified driver will likely face criminal charges. Police say she admitted to not doing a headcount after parking the van outside the daycare center Monday morning, and DCF says she wasn't on the daycare's list of approved drivers. The state is also cracking down on the daycare where the child died. DCF says both Orlando locations of Little Miracles Academy are closed until further notice. What a heartbreaking story. Looks by all counts just to be a tragic accident, but a life has been lost of a little three-year-old here. In cases like this, I've looked at around the country, murder charges have been filed. We're going to talk at 7 o'clock, Deb, about what justice would look like in this heartbreaking case. Oh, in the case of a child death of a hot car in Atlanta, the father was sentenced to prison for and was convicted of murder. But he intended to kill his child, they determined. Up in Tennessee, there's a case now where a grand jury has recommended first-degree murder charges against a couple of parents who left a couple of kids in a car and they died in a hot car situation. No intention to kill their kids still facing murder one. Wow, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. We'll be on it at 7 o'clock. Our other big story of the day today, North Korea says it plans to fire missiles toward the U.S. island territory of Guam. The country's state-run news agency posted plans from the military to fire four ballistic missiles in the waters off Guam to contain U.S. military bases there. The reports say the plans will be delivered to North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in the coming days. It also called President Trump's threat to bring fire and fury against the North as a, quote, load of nonsense. The report added that only absolute force will work with Trump. A spokesman for former Trump campaign chief Paul Manafort says the FBI raided Manafort's Northern Virginia home last month. In a tweet, the spokesman said Manafort has continued to cooperate with investigators. Documents and other unspecified materials were taken from Manafort's home. The raid occurred after Manafort met voluntarily with the staff of the Senate Intelligence Committee. The FBI is working with special counsel Robert Mueller in the investigation of Russian interference in last year's presidential campaign. The probe includes allegations of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. And the nation's capital is abuzz after an unarmed Russian spy plane was seen flying over Washington, D.C. 
The low-altitude flight yesterday is allowed as part of the Treaty on Open Skies to conduct surveillance flights over military sites. Military aircraft from the U.S. and 32 other nations also participate in the treaty. The jet was allowed to circle Washington, D.C. several times, and its route reportedly took it over Ohio, Virginia, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania. A second flight went over New York City and New Jersey, where President Trump, of course, is vacationing at his golf resort in Bedminster. Be interesting to see if we can ever find out what the Ruskies are up to with this. I know. But it's amazing to think that it is all legal under the under the treaty. Exactly. If we can do the same thing with them, and apparently we do, and other nations as well. Um, any, any, other, any other plane would have been shot out of the sky, I guarantee you that. <laughs> Still, bad timing. <laughs> you know, bad timing. With all that's going on? With everything that's going that's on. That's all we need is, you know, one more... Ratcheting up, you exactly. know, of the anxiety level. Exactly, exactly. And finally, <laughs> former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci will be sitting down with Stephen Colbert next week. CBS announced The Mooch will appear on The Late Show next Monday. It'll be the first public appearance by Scaramucci since he was fired after just 11 days on the job following an expletive-filled interview he gave The New, the New Yorker. WFLA Newstime 606. I'm going to go fix my mouth back up in the newsroom, but in the meantime, read about a Virginia driver masquerading as a car seat. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Masquerading as a car seat, minivan driving around town. People can't figure out who is driving this thing. Where do we read about that? I wonder. 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Deb, we also have a lot of school districts in the area yes. uh, that yep. are opening up today. First day of school, you know, it's getting dark in the morning, later and later. Be careful of those kids. Don't go around those school buses when they're stopping. They've ratcheted up the penalties for that. We've got school opening, I think, in Seminole. Everywhere but Orange County. And Osceola, uh, Brevard, some other ones as well. Polk, yeah, Lake, yeah. yeah, Sumter. Everybody goes back. Orange County, enjoy these last few days of sleeping in. Your chance comes on Monday. Yeah, I remember what those last few days of summer used to feel like. You crammed in all kinds oh, of yeah. stuff with your friends and your buddies that you never did over the summer, you know? You know, after the first <laughs> three days, you're bored out of your mind for the entire summer. But yeah. those last three days, you're like, oh, I can't believe it's ending already. <laughs> but, yes, seriously, you know, we're not used to having kids right. on at bus stops. And school buses in the traffic Absolutely. mix. Absolutely. It's going to allow yourself some extra time out the door this morning. So, uh, and be aware, law enforcement is definitely going to be watching those crosswalks and those school bus stops to make sure people aren't driving like idiots when young children are out on the roads and it's so dark. Okay, good deal. Catch you shortly here. Deb will be back with more news at the bottom of the hour. And, of course, whenever it breaks, our executive producer, best in the business, Yaffe, working the show from the control room side of the ledger. Today is the day. If you have an extra gun on hand for some reason, you want to get rid of it, it's Kicks for Guns 2017 today all over Central Florida. Turn in a gun, receive a $50 gift card, no questions asked. 7 a.m., 7 p.m., Kicks for Guns. For locations and more info, visit kicksforguns.com. All right, coming up, Trump versus North Korea. But I've moved something else ahead of it because I am just incensed by this. The comments of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell how sanctimonious and how self-righteous and how totally wrong can he be in his characterization of President Trump's impatience with Congress? Trump versus McConnell, first up 
All of this from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We're diving right in. Come on in with me. The water's fine. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell just doesn't get it. President Trump has called him out. Listen to a little bit of Mitch McConnell speaking at a Rotary Club in his home state of Kentucky this week. How sanctimonious, how condescending toward the president can a member of Congress be? Listen. Our new president has, of course, not been in this line of work before. And I think had excessive expectations about how quickly things happen in the democratic process. Excessive expectations? Really, Mitch? He continued, so part of the reason I think people think we're underperforming in Congress is because too many kinds of artificial deadlines related to the reality of the complexity of legislating may not be fully understood. McConnell adding that he found criticism that the Senate had been accomplishing nothing major extremely irritating. How about extremely accurate? Big backlash on this, and I'm part of that. Mitch? The president's approval ratings may not be all that good, mid-30s or so. Did you check Congress' approval rating? You're at about 10%. This whole health care fiasco is not on the president. It is on you. And the, the expectations? Excessive on the part of the president? Give me a break, Yaffe. Well, I mean, these congressmen, including Mitch McConnell, ran on getting all this stuff done and getting it done quickly. And now they're saying, oh, well, it's going to take all this time. I mean, you haven't passed really much of anything. Yep. You've had months. Now, passed one major bill. Just yeah. one. I got to tell you, um, even though he's on vacation at the golf club in New Jersey, President Trump wasn't going to let this one slide. He slammed McConnell in a tweet saying this. Senator Mitch McConnell said, I had excessive expectations, but I don't think so. After seven years of hearing repeal and replace, why not done? I mean, I agree with Trump, and I think the majority of the Republican Party that voted these guys in agree. Yep. Anyway, we're going to shift now from Trump versus McConnell to Trump versus North Korea. We will give you the latest we have, and then we're going to play an extended cut that we've got. From way back in 1999, when then Donald Trump was considering, he was, you know, to run a run for president under a reform party in 2000, ultimately elected not to do it. But he was asked about North Korea. And for all of those in the, the ATM machine, the anti-Trump media machine, who try to make it out like this president is absolutely clueless on what's going on in the world scene, uh, I, I think he was just absolutely terrific. I didn't agree with everything he said, but this is 1999. You're going to hear him on Meet the Press with the late Tim Russert in a moment. And I got to tell you, I think it I think it speaks volumes that this guy's a lot sharper than the anti-Trump media machine will concede or give light to. Coming up here in a moment. 407-916-5400 if you want to weigh in on Trump versus McConnell or anything that you have to say uh, in advance of my segment on Trump and North Korea. <laughs> Well, the latest information we have would suggest would suggest that um, that I was wrong yesterday. I was, no, Deb, Deb just came flying in here. I didn't know if you wanted me to give you something back. It looked like you wanted something. 
on my desk here? Not no. so? No. All right. Okay. How, how's that? How's that mouth? Have you got it all back in shape and working order? No. <laughs> well, it's like she misses a word in a newscast, you know? Maybe one or two a show and she thinks she's losing it. Yeah, you're about the best there is when it comes to uh, writing and reading copy, Deb Meister. <laughs> and nobody has any complaints about Deb Yaffe except Deb, you know? I mean, she's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, she came in and she started circling around behind me. I kind of got freaked out. I didn't know what she's <laughs> I can doing. Tell. She's just uh, keeping you on your toes. Well, I don't know what's going sure. on here, you know? Okay. Can't, you can't be distracted, bud. You got to. Got to be focused, Got to focus, yes. All right, we're about to focus on North Korea right now. I was wrong yesterday. Maybe I didn't want to focus on that. But I'm freely, I'll always admit it to you when I am. Looks like I was wrong when the fire and fury comments that has everybody stirred up from the president aimed toward North Korea and its nuclear threat. Uh, when I said, well, this is, I don't think this was just off the cuff. Well, apparently it was. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the press spokesman, says the words were his, but the tone other key staff members were aware of. But but he said it, and the way he said it has all kinds of people going crazy, including the North Koreans, who are now saying that they're putting together a plan to attack the waters near Guam, major U.S. base, a U.S. territory, 160,000 U.S. citizens are there, um, and have it in place by mid-August. And um, and the commander of the North Korean army reportedly said it seems that President Trump does not yet fully understand the statement he made. Sound dialogue not possible with such a guy bereft of reason and only absolute force can work with him. You know, uh, and there were those out there in the uh, anti-Trump media machine. We call it the ATM machine here on the 50,000 watt front porch. If you're just joining us for the first time on this, um, don't think this president has a clue. Well, he had more than a clue on North Korea as far back as 1999 when it looked like he might run as a, um, a Reform Party candidate for president back then. Donald Trump in his early 50s was invited on Meet the Press with the late Tim Russert. Here he is in 1999 discussing North Korea and how to deal with its developing nuclear weapons program. One is North Korea. And you say that you as president would be willing to launch a preemptive strike against North Korea's nuclear capability. First, I'd negotiate. I would negotiate like crazy, and I'd make sure that we tried to get the best deal possible. Look, Tim, if a man walks up to you in a street in Washington, because this doesn't happen, of course, in New York, but if a man walks up and puts a gun to your head and says, give me your money, wouldn't you rather know where he's coming from before he had the gun in his hand? And these people, in three or four years, are going to be having nuclear weapons. They're going to have those weapons pointed all over the world and specifically at the United States. And wouldn't you be better off solving this really potentially unbelievable, and the biggest problem, I mean, we can talk about the economy, we can talk about social security. The biggest problem this world has is nuclear proliferation. And we have a country out there in North Korea, which is sort of wacko, which is not a, dumb, not a bunch of dummies, and they are going out and they are developing nuclear weapons. And they're not doing it because they're having fun doing it. They're doing it for a reason. And wouldn't it be good to sit down and really negotiate something, and ideally negotiate? Now, if that negotiation doesn't work, you better solve the problem now than solve it later, Tim. And you know it, and every politician knows it, and nobody wants to talk about it. Jimmy Carter, who I really like, and he went over there. It was so soft. These people are laughing at us. The former general of the Air Force, Merrill McPeak, the former Secretary of Defense, Les Aspen, said you could not launch a preemptive strike against North Korea because the nuclear fallout could be devastating to the Asian Peninsula. 
I'm not talking about I'm not talking about us using nuclear weapons. I'm saying that they have areas where they're developing missiles. No, but taking out their nuclear do you know that potential this country, would create Tim, a fallout. Tim, do you know that this country went out and gave them nuclear reactors free fuel for 10 years. We, we virtually tried to bribe them into stopping, and they're continuing to do what they're doing, and they're laughing at us. They think we're a bunch of dummies. I'm saying that we have to do something to stop. But if the military Ideally, told you, Mr. Trump, we can't do this. You give me two names. You're giving me two names. I don't know. You want to do it in five years when they have warheads all over the place, every one of them pointing to New York City, to Washington, and every one of our... Is that when you want to do it, or do you want to do something now? That's Trump in 1999 on Meet the Press with the late Tim Russert talking fluidly, comfortably, knowledgeably, and realistically about the emerging nuclear threat from North Korea. And what he was advocating never got done. The can got kicked down the road and getting tough with North Korea and, 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 and nipping this in the bud under Clinton, under Bush 43, under Obama. And now Trump's left to deal with it, and he's not going to tolerate the status quo. And that's where we are. Interesting little history there with the president, don't you think? You look back to 1999, cool stuff, Yaffe. Yep, all right, there we go. Yaffe doesn't talk to me when he thinks I'm running too late here, so... Uh, yes, exactly right, I'm looking at the is. clock. I know what it is. He got, you see this? I got Deb flying around, coming in behind me here. I have no idea what she's doing. She's flying low. Yaffe just stonewalls me because he's not going to talk to me because it'll make me later than I would have been. And he's the master of the clock in the control room. I love you guys. Okay. Just ahead, Deb will be back here in a moment, circling around, coming in for a landing, telling us more about a very serious story we will examine in our 7 o'clock hour together. A daycare owner apologizing for a little boy's death. And uh, sleep tips for back-to-schoolers. Deborah Roberts alongside me now for the 6.30 News update here on the story that has, I think, broken the collective hearts of Central Floridians this week. And thankfully, this state is cracking down on an Orlando daycare bud where a child died. DCF says both Orlando locations of Little Miracles Academy are closed until further notice. The emergency suspension was issued after three-year-old Miles Hill was found dead in a van outside the daycare's Plymouth Ave location in Paramore. Earlier Wednesday, daycare owner Audrey Thornton issued a tearful apology. I'm sorry, Grant. And I'm sorry, Fat. And I'm sorry, Chanel. I'm sorry for your loss. And, and I don't want y'all to be upset with me. The three-year-old had been left in the hot van all day Monday, some estimates between 12 and 13 hours, and was found later that night. The driver of the van has been fired and will likely face criminal charges. She admitted to not doing a head count. DCF is working with families to find daycare alternatives for their children. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Tens of thousands of children are heading back to school this morning across central Florida. It's the first day of school in Seminole, Osceola, Brevard Lake, and Polk Counties. AAA has a message for motorists. Slow down and stay alert in neighborhoods and school zones. AAA cites figures from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration showing that during 2015, Florida had 36 child pedestrian fatalities. That's the second most in the country behind only California. The first day of school in Orange and Volusia counties is Monday. Meanwhile, the new school year also means a new approach to discipline in Brevard County. The new approach classifies violations into one of five levels based on how serious they are. The lowest level offenses could result in a visit to the school counselor or a phone conference with parents. The highest levels for things like bringing drugs or weapons on campus could lead to suspensions or expulsions. One new feature is a relaxation room that Superintendent Desmond Blackburn tells Florida today is the epitome of this innovative approach. 
I think hmm. we could use a relaxation room around here. Yeah. And finally, for those of you whose children haven't gone back to school yet, Cleveland Clinic Dr. Harneet Walia says it helps to start easing into your child's school wake-up time before the school year starts and says to look at your child's screen time habits as well if they're having trouble getting quality sleep. We don't want exposures to TV or any kinds of screen before the bedtime. That can interfere with the sleep. The blue light from the screens can interfere with the sleep quality as well. Dr. Walia says teens tend to have the most difficulty adjusting because their bodies can be wired to be uh, to a delayed sleep-wake schedule. This means they naturally want to go to bed late and get up late. Adjusting sleep schedules for young children is also a challenge, but hang in there, to, uh, parents. The first day of school is finally here. For most, yeah. For most, yeah. And you can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Here she is, hopefully wide awake in the Bloomberg newsroom in New York City. Gina, good Thursday morning to you. And good morning to you, bud. You know, yesterday we said uh, the uncertainty over the North Korean situation, the president, etc., was uh, showing some uh, impact on the stock market. Let's take a look at the market situation now. Are you still seeing that? Uh, Not really here this morning. We do have some uh, stock futures a little on the negative side, but we were seeing this yesterday, and things calmed down a little bit. We did end with some losses, but they did pair some of their earlier losses as we saw consumer shares and healthcare triggering a bit of a rally at the end of the day. So in the end, we had the Dow down about 37 points to 22,049. The S&P 500 was really little changed. It slipped less than a point by the end. That's less than a tenth of a percent. Closed at 24.72. The Nasdaq lost 18 and closed at 63.52. The Bloomberg Orlando index was down just about three-tenths of a percent. We have some things to watch for today. We get the jobless claims numbers and we get a report on wholesale prices. We hear from retailers today, Macy's, Kohl's. That'll give us an idea of how the consumer is feeling. We'll watch for that. And for our friends who are on Facebook, a lot of them are going to have something new to watch today. What's the deal on that? Well, Facebook is rolling out a new video hub today, offering some U.S. users short episodic programs from A&E, Major League Baseball, National Geographic, and other partners. The aim here is to capture more online advertising dollars with this new video product called Watch. Generally, when they take it to some users at the beginning, later on, everybody starts to see it. And we know the federal government is awash in red ink. We got a nearly $20 trillion debt, but a lot of Americans are in the hole as well, mm-hmm. as Bloomberg notes this morning. Yes, Americans owe a lot of money. Fed Bank of New York data shows that household debt outstanding from mortgages and credit cards to car and school loans reached $12.7 trillion in the first quarter. That's more than the size of China's economy and is occurring at a time when wage growth remains modest. Late payments on credit card debt have been ticking up and serious delinquencies on student loans remain elevated. Of course, we know that the student loan situation is a real problem for a lot of people. Let's talk about gas prices for a moment. I mean, they shot up to almost $2.30 a gallon here for regular a week or so ago. Now, this morning, I saw gas on the way in all the way down to $2.10. What's going on with gasoline prices, Gina? Well, U.S. gasoline inventories bucked a seasonal trend last week, rising the most since January, according to government data. Imports rose to the highest in six years. Refinery rates jumped, and that boosted supplies. Even with peak summer driving season in full swing, and the result was that gasoline futures slumped to a two-week low. So uh, 
Nice to hear that you're seeing it at the gas pump. Absolutely, we are here. That's my observation on the way in. Made me smile. Um, for folks, um, you know, who have mutual funds or deal with companies that sell them, there's a fee war going on you might not be aware of. Gina's got that story. Yeah, by some of the big names, as investors leave actively managed mutual funds for funds tied to indexes such as the S&P 500, Fidelity Investments is trying to beat Vanguard Group at its own game by cutting fees on 14 of its stock and bond index mutual funds. This is a story that's in this week's issue of Bloomberg Business Week. Trying to get your business, everybody likes to hear that the fees are being cut, right? Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Gina, thank you so much, as always, from the Bloomberg News room in New York City. We'll look forward to your Friday morning report at 635. Thank you, Gina. All right, bud. Thank you. You bet. We roll on from the Frontgate Realty Studio on Good Morning Orlando. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We have a snowflake alert here from Georgia. Snowflakes in August. It's not what you think. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Snowflakes in Georgia in August. Unlikely. Sounds like the start of a Geico commercial, doesn't it? (laughs) Surprising. (laughs) But we're not talking about the kind of snow you shovel here. We're talking about something else you shovel. Real BS out of our college campuses here. And they call these namby-pamby college-age students snowflakes because they're just so delicate. You know, they have to have safe zones and they can't be triggered. And uh, we, we talk about this stuff all the time. You know, and if these if, and if these young people don't get it together and toughen up, God help us in the future when they run the country. They'll run it into the ground. Yaffe searched this story out and sent it to me just because he knew it would tick me off. Yep, that's exactly and right. It aggravated <laughs> me all yesterday, and you knew it would. And we're always on the search for these snowflake stories. Listen to this. From the Campus Reform Organization, good conservative group that really, really lets us know what's going on in the land of the liberals, academia, college campuses all across this country that are just been taken over by leftist professors and administrators who are indoctrinating our young snowflakes. A professor at the University of Georgia has created a stress reduction policy allowing students who feel unduly stressed to choose their own grades. The professor in question is Richard Watson at the University of Georgia, teaches internet courses there. I mean, you talk about lowering the academic expectations bar. How low can it go? Here is what he his policy was until the University of Georgia, thank God, told him to knock it off. If you feel unduly stressed by a grade for any accessible material or the overall course, you can email the instructor indicating what grade you think is appropriate, and it will be changed. (laughs) No explanation is required, but it is requested that you consider waiting 24 hours before emailing the instructor. The stress reduction policy also states that students may leave group work whenever they desire and choose to have their grade not reflect that segment of the course. All exams will be open book. Only positive comments about presentations will be given in class. Comments designed to improve future presentations will be communicated by email. So no public shaming of the snowflakes, Yaffe. They'd have a meltdown, right? They melt easily, Uh, these snowflakes, right? Apparently. Yeah. 
And finally, while this policy might hinder the development of group skills and mastery of the class material, ultimately, these are a student's responsibility. I will provide every opportunity for you to gain high-level mastery. But we, we, we just don't want any of our snowflake students being stressed, and we're here to help you. Just choose the grade you think is appropriate, and you will have it. Yaffe? When I first read this story, I, my first thought was, could this be, is this for real? It is for like, real. I couldn't believe that yeah. this was real. Yeah. I mean, I work with uh, two college professors, Reagan Smith, him and I do a Florida Roundtable, but he's also a college professor at UCF. Yeah. And Mark Logos, who fills in for you from time, is also a college professor at Valencia. Right. I could never, ever imagine those two guys even coming close to doing something like this. They would shovel the snowflakes <laughs> right out the door. Exactly. Both of them would. <laughs> they, they tell me horror stories, though, every yeah. now and then about some of their yeah. students. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for the story. It ruined my day, <laughs> and I just thought this morning that I had to pass it along, and I probably ruined yours. And you just ripped it up, and now I've thrown it in the trash, yeah, I see. It's gone. Pretty much gone. Yeah. Okay. Things get better here on the 50,000-watt front porch, particularly for Sound Judgment contestants today. How'd you like to win a free hotel stay on us? If you're our winner, that's what you're going to get. More details coming up as we continue from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Boy, what a mess. The semi on its side along I-4, just east of... Um, of, uh, of of Maitland Boulevard and all the lanes blocked there. Stay tuned. We'll give you updates all throughout the show as that situation unfolds. Right now, though, we're going to just kind of back off the gas on the heavy-duty issues of the morning and uh, have a little fun and games as we do once a day on Good Morning Orlando playing our sound judgment game. Yaffe, what about that hotel stay? Let's talk about this. Yes, bud. They can win a one-night stay at any Red Roof Inn or Red Roof Inn Plus of your choice anywhere in the country. This summer, just by staying with Red Roof, you could win a big-ticket prize just as a thank you to the guests and loyal Ready Card members now through August 31st. Call 1-800-RED-ROOF or go to red, www.redroof.com to book your stay. All right. You, you and your family are all going to the Red Roof Inn or Red Roof Inn Plus of your choice on us. A one-night stay anywhere in the country. And there are Red Roof Inns everywhere. 407-916-5400, the number to call. Um, busy signal now, I'm sure. Everybody's lined up to play the game, but if somebody gets a wrong answer, that's the number to call to get the open line and win. 407-916-5400. For our sound judgment game this morning, we're going to play some very timely sound from an American who's the general manager of a company that has experienced a sudden boom in sales. Listen to him talking about it yesterday. Then use your sound judgment to tell me what this man's company sells. Sales on the West Coast have always been lower than those of the Midwest, the Southeast, and the Northwest. But now that North Korea has announced they have the ability to attack and hit with an ICBM, all of the West Coast, our sales are going up there. And what does this man's company sell? Tell me, line one. Bomb shelters. Yeah, that's it. Bomb shelters, booming business. A little scary to think, but apparently absolutely true. That was the voice of Gary Lynch, uh, who's the general manager of Rising S, Texas-based bomb shelter building company. Congratulations on winning that free hotel stay on Sound Judgment this morning. Thank you. What's your name, please? Michael. Michael, where are you calling in from, buddy? 
Orlando. Good town. All right, I know it well. Thank you very much for being a part of our show, for playing the game, and congratulations on being our winner, Michael. Thank you, bud. Now, here's the drill. Don't hang up. Stay on the line. Yaffe's busy this morning. He's the Lone Ranger for the moment in the control room. He'll get to you, though, and work out the prizes and, uh, and make sure that you get to stay in the Red Roof Inn of your choice. Congratulations, my friend. That was quick. We weren't sure how, how long it might take to get a winner on that one, Yaffe, but uh, the smartest audience in talk radio did it again on the first try. Yeah, now, uh, you're not going to go out and buy one, are you? No, no. If, no. If, my, if my dad didn't buy one during a Cuban Missile Crisis, and he didn't, <laughs> I don't think I'm buying one now, okay? Yeah. Plus, in Florida, where do you put it? Yeah, with a water table? That's a great question, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we're just... <laughs> Not under the ground, or you drown down there before the <laughs> exactly. nukes catch you. Anyway, all right, we're moving ahead here um, into the next hour, and uh, Deb will set the table for our conversation about uh, charges that are certainly coming in the wake of a... Um, of a tragic death um, in a daycare van of a three-year-old boy who was left there all day in the heat. A daycare owner apologizing for the little boy's death. And the 2017 hurricane season ramps up. The forecast indicates this is going to be worse than they had earlier thought. Deborah Roberts with all of the news here at the top of the hour from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. And we are glad you're with us here on the 50,000-watt front porch at 658. Good morning, Orlando. And the top of the morning to you here at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. You're just in time for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, a daycare owner apologizes for a little boy's death. And the 2017 hurricane season is ramping up. We'll have the details in one minute. And in the wake of the tragic death of the three-year-old in the hot daycare van, what charges should be filed? My take and yours straight ahead on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning at 7.02 on News Radio 102.5. A daycare owner's apology for a little boy's death appears to be falling on deaf ears. Little Miracles Academy co-owner Audrey Thornton apologized yesterday for the death of three-year-old Miles Hill left in a hot van outside the center on Monday. And I loved it, Miles, and I took care of Miles since he was a baby. And if y'all can forgive me, I'm so sorry. Just give me a chance to come talk to you and explain to you what happened. At a press conference outside her lawyer's office, Thornton said she's hurt and devastated by what happened, but vowed to fight to keep her business open. A relative of the child, however, tells Orlando Sentinel sorry is not going to cut it. The family also expressed the fact that they were hurt, that they've known the daycare owner for years, yeah. and yet the owner had not reached out to try and console them earlier than yesterday's press conference. As an update, again, the driver who left that little boy to die in a hot van has been fired, and DCF announced yesterday that both Orlando locations of the Little Miracles Academy, both on West Colonial and in Paramore on Plymouth Ave, have been closed until further notice, and they're working with these families to try and find other daycare alternatives. Ultimately, the state attorney's office will have to decide what, if any, charges should be filed in this case. And we're going to um, we're going to have a conversation about what would justice look like here. What, if any, charges should be filed in what clearly was a tragic accident? It's coming up. All right. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Hurricane Franklin is once again Tropical Storm Franklin. 
Hurricane Franklin became the strongest system of the Atlantic season so far as it made its second landfall overnight north of Veracruz, Mexico, with winds of 85 miles per hour. The storm is expected to bring heavy rains today to Mexico City as it begins to weaken. The National Hurricane Center says top winds are down to 70 miles an hour. In the meantime, the National Hurricane Center in Miami is monitoring a tropical wave in the eastern Atlantic and the season's first hurricane. Uh, forecasters rather say that tropical wave approaching the Lesser Antilles and Puerto Rico today has at least a 50% chance of development over the next five days. Kind of like Emily. Right now it's just this blob of disturbed weather on the southeast coast of Florida. But we got to keep our eye on it because just like Emily, we went from 6 o'clock in the morning with it being, you know, TD depression number 6. Right. To by 8 o'clock in the morning it was tropical storm Emily. And over the next two days it sloshed across the state of Florida leaving 31 or 13 counties under a state of emergency. Yeah, we'll follow this one closely. And, and, and you're right to recall Emily here. That's an example of how unpredictable these systems still are, despite all the science we have. Yeah, exactly. And this uh, this system is forecast to be there near the Turks and Caicos and the Bahamas by this weekend. Mm. NOAA is updating its forecast for the rest of the Atlantic hurricane season, bud. And Gary Bell with the NOAA Climate Prediction Center says they're expecting a more active season at the very least. With the possibility now that the season could be extremely active, we're seeing signs that this could be the most active season since 2010. Forecasters now say there's a 60% chance of an above-normal season with 14 to 19 named storms and 2 to 5 major hurricanes. A prediction for 5 to 9 hurricanes remains unchanged from the initial May outlook. Leon County schools are changing schedules on the day of the upcoming solar eclipse. High school students will be let out early on August 21st, but elementary and middle school students will be kept late, so they're not outside staring at the sun. Outdoor school activities that afternoon will be postponed or held indoors until the eclipse is done. And finally, researchers at Arizona State University are trying to come up with an effective vaccine for the Zika virus using a plant that is known to do more harm than good. ASU scientists are using tobacco to try and find an effective medicine for the disease. A report that was published yesterday in Scientific Reports Nature says the testing on mice has been promising so far. Researchers at the university have been using tobacco to create new vaccines for years. Mm. WFLA News Time at 7.07. Your tweet could reach outside our solar system. Get the details now at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. <laughs> weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio this is good morning orlando on news radio 1025 why are you smiling at me <laughs> i wonder if president trump knows that <laughs> that's what i was thinking of that's what i was thinking <laughs> good stuff deb catch you shortly deborah roberts with the news from the front gate realty studio visit laurahasthebuyers.com she'll be back whenever news breaks bottom of the hour as well stay tuned for updates on the horrendous situation on i4 uh, just east of the Maitland Avenue overpass here, where we've got a semi on its side. And the last I have on that was that all the lanes were blocked. Deb, are you looking at an yeah. update here? Where do we stand? Well, it's an overturned dump truck that was carrying sand that right. is now tipped over on its side, and it's blocking all of the eastbound lanes of I-4 near Maitland Boulevard. So first day back to school and already a nightmare trip on the roads this morning. Oh, boy. We'll stay on it for you here on Good Morning Orlando. But I want to ask you, in the wake of the tragic accidental death of this little three-year-old boy left in this hot daycare van in Orlando for 12 hours where temperatures internally, they think, may have approached 150 degrees. Yes, it was an accident. 
But what charges do you think should be filed and against whom? The now-fired driver? The owner of the daycare who had been cited for not following the DCF regulations on keeping track of kids in your care? What should the charges be? I can tell you in cases with many similarities, there is precedent in this country for murder charges to be filed. Would that be justice or is that too excessive? How would you charge this case if you were the state attorney? My take and yours just ahead. Join me. It's an important story focusing on the story that has broken the collective hearts of Central Florida this week. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Please, I hope you'll get in early and join me. More coming up. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Some legal experts think that the driver will ultimately be charged with manslaughter or child neglect by a caregiver, uh, by a caregiver, forgive me. And that could be up to 15 years in prison for the now-fired driver. I think there could be charges appropriate for the owner of the daycare that had repeatedly been cited for violating um, the, the rules of, of, of caring for kids in daycare centers. Head counts, et cetera, you know, checking vehicles um, when you discharge children to make sure that everybody is out. Um, how did this happen to Little Miles Hill? The preliminary investigation indicates a daycare worker picked up Miles, and this would be the now-fired driver, and other kids at the, um, at the Little Miracles Academy location to take them to another Little Miracles Academy facility. They're all shut down now. I think there's actually only two. The daycare driver then returned to the initial daycare center and did not realize Miles was still in the van. Later that evening, when Miles was supposed to be dropped off at his grandmother's house, the grandmother called the police. A missing child investigation was launched. The grandmother also called the daycare center. A worker checked the van, found Miles on the floor in the back seat of the vehicle. The daycare center worker then called 911. Um, Chief of Police Mina says that uh, Miles was um, in the hot van all day long, found on the floor of the van. And temperatures that day officially reached 93 degrees. Um, Experts say that it could have been up to 150 inside the van. I mean, it's just unimaginable what this little boy uh, might have gone through. Can you even even fathom this? Um, But it was clearly an accident here. So if you're the state attorney who's going to have to decide about charges, if any, here, what do you charge? Do you charge the driver with manslaughter, child neglect by a caregiver, up to 15 years in prison? What about the owner here who had all kinds of problems with not running the daycare the way it was supposed to be run? Now, I can tell you before we take calls on this, 407-916-5400, if you can tell me what justice would look like, that up in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, there is a story with some similarities unfolding just within the last two weeks. The parents of a two-year-old boy who died after being left in a hot vehicle have been arrested, and a grand jury has now charged them with first-degree murder, felony murder, that could result in life in prison or the death penalty. And no one is suggesting that they intended for the child to die. Nothing malicious here, but something horribly and tragically neglectful. The parents are distraught. Everybody says they were great parents who loved their little boy, They could die for this. They could wind up in prison for the rest of their lives, even though they never intended to kill their child. So you could say then that there would be precedent, would there not, 
for murder charges being filed here in the daycare scenario with Little Miles Hill. I'm not sure what justice would look like here, but I think that charges definitely need to be filed, and not only against the driver, but also against the owner of the now closed down daycare centers. You know, you have to be held accountable for a death like this that never should have happened. Murder charges seems extreme when everybody admits there was no intent. It was just a tragic accident. Some will say because it was an accident that no charges should be filed because nobody meant to do anything to this little one except love him. But then they left him, and he is gone just days short of his fourth birthday. What should be done here? You're the state attorney. You tell me. 407-916-5400 is the number. Text line 23680. You're next. DCF has closed down Little Miracles Academy daycare centers in the wake of the uh, three-year-old Miles Hill dying in a hot van in which he was left for 12 hours. The driver admits and is distraught at not doing a head count as required when the kids were dropped off. Never knew that little Miles had been left in the van in the heat. And um, the, uh, the, 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 the owner of um, the daycare center, Audrey Thornton, uh, you've heard from her on, in Deb's newscast here. I mean, she's distraught as well. She's friends with the family and is begging for forgiveness, um, you know, but the family is saying, I'm sorry, sorry isn't going to cut it here. I know the aunt of uh, the little one who died wants every employee there held responsible because they were all there during the day, and anybody could have gone out to the van, and nobody did. So what charges should be filed? Some legal experts are suggesting the state attorney will charge manslaughter or child neglect by a caregiver, and it could land whoever is charged. It would have to be the driver, and maybe, as well, the owner of the daycare center could be up to 15 years in prison. Some cases like this in other parts of the country, as I've chronicled here, has resulted in murder charges against parents who had no intention to leave their kids in a hot vehicle. They died, and murder charges have been brought. Not in all cases, but there's precedent for that. John, you're in Castleberry. What about it? You know me, I disagree with you 99% of the time, but this time it's they should be charged with carelessness, you know. A little boy is dead. Okay, it was an accident, and only the driver should be charged. She was responsible for that. And and but not not for nothing. But we had a case here recently where a police officer left his partner in the van. I think it was Kissimmee. The partner died. It was like twelve hours that they couldn't find the dog or whatever it was inside the vehicle inside the squad car, and the animal died. It also happened in another state recently. Nothing was charged. They weren't charged with murder. They weren't charged with anything. So you might want to look into that. I know well, it's a dog compared to a baby, but still. Yeah, well, I, I, I told you we got we got parents who accidentally left their kid in a in a in a van. It's going on up in uh, in um, in Tennessee, and the grand jury has charged them with first degree murder. John, you you said the magic word there, bud. Tennessee, you know they they take things to the extreme. Oh, I don't know whether that's true or not. 
Well, we'll have to see how it goes here. I mean, they're all over the place on how they charge these cases. Hector is thinking it over from Orlando. Good morning, Hector. What are your thoughts? My thought is uh, I know there's a charge in New York called uh, criminal negligence homicide because they failed to perceive that their actions caused the death of someone. But in, in, other, in other words, too, that where were the parents for 12 hours and they didn't realize that a three-year-old was missing? Have they contacted, have they contacted the, uh, the people there, the, the nursing home, wherever they're at, they were, the kid would have still been alive. Where were they all this time? Apparently there was a history of them delivering the kids home later than they were supposed to, so nobody really suspected anything until into the evening because of that history. Twelve hours? They should be held accountable. Oh. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Let me bring in Lars before we hit the break, and I'll make more time for you to weigh in on this. I want to know what you think needs to happen here. What should the charges be and who ought to be charged and why? 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Lars from Hawthorne, quickly, please. Okay, uh, I really think that there should be charges, but uh, I'm in agreement with a previous caller that, you know, it's there's some type of negligence here. You know, murder, you know, has to have intent. There's no intent in Tennessee. There's no intent here for anybody to die. Manslaughter is kind of strong, but you know, Bud, you'd really have to have the wisdom of Solomon to know exactly what the charges would be. And Do you believe drive. justice would involve prison time for the driver and or the daycare owner? Uh, for the driver, I would say yes. Uh, for the owner, uh, yeah, the owner, that's past her responsibility to count the children. But you know, one of the big problems, Bud, is social media has people on these critical jobs so so caught up in following what's going on on Facebook and all these other things that they're not paying attention to their job. No, I don't know whether or not that's a factor here, but Lars, thank you very much. Deb, the um, hot van death at the daycare center of Little Miles Hill. I mean, it's just a heartbreaking story. Uh, and no malice, you know, intended. No one is no. suggesting otherwise. What do you think the charges will be, should be? What are your thoughts on that? I believe she's probably going to, the driver is going to face manslaughter charges. And I would be interested to see if the daycare owner is facing charges as well, because this driver was not on a DCF approved list. She is not supposed to be driving that van. And DCF had cited um, Little Miracles Academy repeatedly. At least five times. For not doing what's required in keeping track of kids in your care. Yes, including... Uh, keeping logs where two employees of the daycare center are supposed to sign off on both arrival and departure times for each and every child. Mm-hmm. So they were very lax, and it's and it's ended up in a tragedy for a family. And Darlene in Orlando also, I think, agrees with us, Bud. Good morning, Darlene. Yes, uh, I actually do believe there's intent. When you have a rule and you don't follow it, there's an intention not to follow it. But the other thing, I agree with your last caller. I'd be interested in knowing those cell phone logs. And if there was success of playing on the cell phone by those individuals, individuals that are supposed to check mark and do those, those mm-hmm. tests, you know, to make, keep the kids safe, I would throw the book at them. This can't keep happening. Yeah, especially after, I mean, he was left there for 13 hours. Yeah. Yeah, somebody, I mean, that means I, I work in the daycare at church once a month. And we are counting those kids constantly, and that's an hour and a half, two hours. Right. And that's all. You know, we count them. We count them when when nobody's left the yes. room, as far as we know, and nobody's entered. We count them. 
I, 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 I think, you know, daycares should start instituting a policy that even if they do count the kids, someone still goes out a couple of times a day and does a, a, a visual sweep of vehicles yeah. to make sure that just nothing has been left behind. There's just you can't take the chance. Nice job on the call, Darlene. Thank you so much. And yeah, for folks you, just joining us, you have more on this story. Yeah, and that is the Orlando Police Department is trying to determine what charges that driver will face in connection with the death of a three-year-old boy who was left for nearly 12 hours in a daycare van. Miles Hill was found dead Monday evening in a van at the Little Miracles Academy. Charges are pending against the driver following the completion of an autopsy. Now, it's up to the Orange Osceola County State Attorney's Office to determine if charges will be filed. During a news conference Wednesday, Audrey Thornton, the daycare owner, told reporters that she was sorry and that the boy's death was a mistake. The Department of Children and Families has shut down both daycare locations of Little Miracles Academy. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Well, it is summer in Florida, and that means good luck trying to enjoy an ice cream cone outside without it running completely down the bottom of your arm before the first minute is up. Yeah, it's particularly if it's soft serve. It's an instant yeah. meltdown when you get outside with them. It seriously is. It is. So Japanese scientists to the rescue. They say they've perfected ice cream that doesn't melt. Researchers at Ka'a, Kanazawa University claim they found a way to maintain the shape of ice cream simply by decreasing its melting point. Really? Apparently, the newly developed ice cream can last three hours at room temperature with hardly a drip. That is going, if that's, if they've really got that perfected. They're billionaires. It'll change the world of ice cream. It will. And in Florida, that's all anybody will buy. Exactly. (laughs) Apparently, the key is a polyphenol liquid extracted from strawberries. Okay. Researchers say ice cream with this liquid keeps its shape and it's hard to melt. The weather-resistant ice cream comes in different flavors, including chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Well, that's a good start, but we need to get into Rocky Road and um, Rainbow Sherbet for me pretty quick. Oh, yeah. I agree (laughs) with you on that one. Cheetos lovers are anxiously awaiting the opening of a pop-up restaurant in New York City, but it's called the Spotted Cheetah and will offer such items as Cheetos-infused meatballs and Cheetos mac and cheese. There'll be 11 Cheetos-inspired dishes in all, ranging in price from $8 to $22. The Spotted Cheetah will be open for three days only, though, Tuesday through Thursday next week in Tribeca. And I kid you not, reservations are required. I have a weakness for Cheetos. So do, you? do I. Oh. Even though they turn everything they touch orange. Absolutely. Fingertips, lips, the whole thing. But Cheetos <laughs> mac and cheese. Oh. Cheetos infused meatballs. Yes. And finally, today might just be your day, but don't get overly excited. It is, after all, National Lazy Day. And what could be better to go along with that than the fact it's also National S'more Day? Enjoy. Today should be the best day ever. Ever. (laughs) I am going to celebrate both of those. (laughs) Loud and proud. National Lazy Day and S'more Day. Well, that's my excuse for running a little bit slow on a few of these segments and getting behind (laughs) on the clock, Yaffe. I'm just quietly observing National Lazy Day. You you observe that every day? (laughs) (laughs) I'll reform. I'll do better. But we have a lot to talk about. Thank you, Deb, very much. You're welcome, bud. Yeah, if you haven't gotten your take on what appropriate charges, if any, might be in the wake of the um, daycare van uh, death of uh, little Miles Hill. You know, but I got to say, it's hard to for me to say that they should be charged with murder. I think that's a little much. But um, there man- is precedent for that. I gave you the ongoing yeah, exactly. Tennessee case. Yeah, but manslaughter, negligent homicide, at the very least, there, there needs to be some charges here. I mean, when you take your kid to a daycare center, 
you expect the driver of the van or the daycare worker not to end up killing your kid, basically. Right. I, I don't think it's an unreasonable expectation. I think there'll be serious prison time when this shakes out for the driver now fired. Uh, and But I think there also might well be prison time for the owner of the daycare center, given its history of not following the DCF rules on head counts and, uh, and how you handle kids in your care. Yeah, I mean, at the very least with her as well, they need to shut down these daycare centers. What's coming in on the, um, well, they've been, they've been shut down at least for now. By but I DCF. mean, permanently. Yeah, uh-huh. Let's go to the uh, text line. What do you see? Uh, yes, one person on the text line agrees with what I just said, says charge all with manslaughter and shut down the daycare. One person says the story hurts me to hear. I can't imagine what his family is dealing with. Says murder charges for all connected would be fair. There are members of the family that were calling for exactly that. I don't think you'll see that, but I can understand how the emotions are running. Um, okay, fair enough. And we're going to get um, our call screener, Michael's uh, I-4 nightmare story. He was late coming in screening, and he's got an excused absence, and a lot of other folks are going to be late for wherever they happen to be going. And it's particularly rough with the first day of school for so many locations now that we have that truck that has blocked all the eastbound lanes of I-4 just beyond the Maitland Boulevard overpass where they're doing major construction. And um, stay tuned on that. Rush morning update coming up. 7.56 right now, the traffic nightmare along I-4. All the lanes blocked, I-4 eastbound. Most of the morning uh, peak commuting hours by an overturned dump truck just beyond the Maitland overpass. And, uh, Michael, uh, you got tied up in this morning trying to get in here and screen for us. Uh, how bad was it? It wasn't. A, it really wasn't great. Like at first, when I got on the highway, I knew something was up because there wasn't that much traffic near downtown. I guess everybody's just avoiding it. They knew something I did, and once I hit about Princeton, it was crawling from there. I th- believe all the lanes are blocked just before Altamont or in yeah. that area, at least, and swarming with helicopters. You know, if you're listening to WFLA that does traffic updates every 10 minutes, you probably could have avoided it. Yeah, you know, I just got on at, you know, 12 minutes after, uh-huh. right after it okay. aired, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is an excused absence. You should have been listening <laughs> to the station. We exactly. gave them alternative routes and the whole thing. Which uh, alternative route would have really been that much faster? I don't know. No, there are no good <laughs> alternatives to I-4. That's always been the problem in this exactly. town. Exactly. Okay? It's always been the Where's problem. Where's my hover car? In this town. Yeah, that, that's kind of what we need. Back to the future, too, right? And that's what we need. Anyway, hey, stay tuned. Right after the news with Deborah Roberts at the top of the hour, we're going to give you the key word in our texting contest, and you could be our winner, and you could win a trip to Las Vegas on us for the iHeart Radio Music Festival in late September. All of that is ahead. Good morning, Orlando. Delighted to have you with us here on a Thursday morning at the top of the 8 o'clock hour for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a daycare owner apologizes for a little boy's death, and Senator Marco Rubio reacts to Trump's North Korea rhetoric. We'll have the details in one minute. A new study says you bank, spank your kids when they're toddlers. You'll have all kinds of trouble with them when they're teenagers. Do you buy that? Mm-mm. I don't. My take and yours, and maybe Deb's as well, <laughs> coming up on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Good morning, Orlando. 
And good Thursday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 102.5. Little Miracles Academy co-owner Audrey Thornton apologized yesterday for the death of three-year-old Miles Hill, who was left in a hot van outside the center on Monday. At a press conference outside her lawyer's office yesterday, Thornton said she's hurt and devastated by what happened. I want to apologize to Miles, grandmother, Yvette, Chanel, and the whole Banks family. I'm so sorry. Thornton also vowed to fight to keep her business open, but a relative of the child tells the Orlando Sentinel sorry isn't going to cut it. The driver told police she didn't do a head count after dropping off the kids at Little Miracles Academy Monday morning. And police chief John Mina says criminal charges will likely be filed against that daycare employee. It's believed the boy had been inside the vehicle for 13 hours and his death was heat related. They're waiting for the official word from the medical examiner from the autopsy saying that, yes, this was heat stroke. It was a heat related death before they're going to be able to move forward with filing charges. Peak temp on that day, 93, officially in Orlando, and some weather experts are believing inside that van it could have reached 150 degrees. Yeah. What an awful story. A terrible accident. But, um, you know, I mean, a, a child is dead who should not have died. Exactly. And, and a driver who was who was driving that van shouldn't have been driving. No. There's all kinds of infractions that the center has been dealing with in the past, and it's resulted in a child's death. And DCF may have some liability here for not shutting this place down earlier based on their prior violations. We've talked about it in depth here this morning and taken some great calls from uh, the folks here in Central Florida because I think collectively our hearts are broken over this story. But uh, we need to move forward, and, and, and justice needs to be done. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself, but this news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. North Korea is laying out its plans for a missile attack on the U.S. island territory of Guam. The communist state's official news agency reports North Korea's top general plans to fire four ballistic missiles into the waters off Guam to contain U.S. military bases there. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is to receive those plans in the next few days. North Korea warned it would attack Guam after President Trump said Tuesday that continued threats would be met with fire and fury from the U.S. In the meantime, some are calling on President Trump to tone down his rhetoric regarding North Korea, but... They do not include Florida's junior U.S. Senator, Republican Marco Rubio. All the inflammation here is coming from this, this crazy guy in North Korea. And uh, even if Donald Trump was the most diplomatic person in the world, he would still be building a weapon and he would still be developing these missiles. Democratic Senator Bill Nelson issued a statement that, quote, North Korea poses a serious threat to the U.S. and all options should be on the table to protect the American people, end quote. In local news, federal prosecutors are asking that a psychological profile of the Pulse gunman's widow be sealed. Wesh reports the request was made this week in order to safeguard what is termed sensitive information regarding Noor Salman. However, those details could eventually become public during Salman's trial for obstructing an investigation and aiding her husband in last year's Orlando nightclub attack that left 49 people dead. And finally, an Atlanta gym owner has banned police officers and military members from working out at his facility. Oh, really? Yes. Jim Chambers put up a sign on the door of EAV Barbell Club that used an expletive to announce that police aren't welcome there. Chambers says his gym has had an explicitly stated no-cop policy since it opened. He said active members of the military also are not eligible for membership. What's his problem with soldiers and cops? Chambers says he's taken the original sign down, bud, due to its vulgarity. But here's the good news. He plans to replace it with a clean version. 
He said that people who work out at his gym are generally minorities who are uncomfortable with law enforcement. For their part, the better part of this story, the Atlanta Police Department says regardless of the policy, it will not prevent them from responding to an emergency at the gym. Who runs the gym, Colin Kaepernick? No, Jim Chambers. And they're going to be having a rally for Cal- uh, Colin Kaepernick in New York. Yeah, Spike Lee is kind of uh, ginning up support for that yeah. outside the NFL headquarters, right? That's supposed to be coming up. Yeah, that's coming up. But this just, this Jim Chambers yeah. story in Atlanta is really it's making the rounds of the national news. You'll probably hear more about it later today. Yeah, well, thanks for frosting the Budman's flakes, Deb. I really needed that. Well, I did tell you I was going <laughs> to promise I was going to light you up she with my last story. She gave me an story. all-fair warning. I should have known. I did. I did do that. WFLA News Time 808. Read about a Virginia driver masquerading as a car seat. It's one way to get through the HOV lane. You can read that story at 1025WFLA.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. Dad, before you have to split for the newsroom, uh, we're going to be talking about this new study that says if you spank your toddlers, that it causes all kinds of problems with them downstream, particularly in their teenage years. Uh, I was spanked. I think I turned out reasonably well. We spanked our kids when they were needed, when they were little only, and they turned out great. Where are you on this? I don't believe that at all. I was spanked as well as a child, and apart from being, you know, full-out crazy, I turned out okay. Uh, Okay, there you go. (laughs) She's on record. We'll find out what Yaffe and Michael think. I want to know what you think. What about spanking toddlers? Should we? Should we not? If we do, does it ruin them when they get older? Stay tuned as we roll on for the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We'll get into this controversy in a moment. My wife and I have always been in favor of spanking when it is appropriate a child at the toddler stage of life. A lot of these parents today, you know, well, that's just, that's cruel. It's not a smart thing to do. It's an abusive thing to do. You can't get into a debate and an argument with a two- or three-year-old when you need to modify behavior to keep them safe or to get them behaving the way they should. I don't see anything wrong with a sting on the fanny. I spent most of my young years with a red fanny, appropriately so, at the hands of a loving mother and father. I seem to have turned out reasonably well. Some of you would argue with that. We spanked our kids when they were that young. And they seem to have turned out far better than I did. All three of them. And uh, there's a new study in uh, developmental psychology, came out of the University of Missouri. um, And it looked at the long-term ramifications of spanking and other forms of physical discipline. Previous studies have pretty much shown that uh, spanking can have, in some cases, negative effects on child development in the short term. But I disagree with that. And uh, I'm not talking about beating up a kid. That's different. I'm talking about behavior modification, the only way somebody that age two or three can really understand and relate to, okay? And, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a sting on the fanny. That's a spanking when needed. But this study shows spankings can have negative effects on child development um, all the way through life, and particularly negative effects on behavior in teenage years. It screws up your kids forever and really screws them up when they're teenagers if you spank them when needed as a toddler. I think this is nonsense. And I want to know what you think. Chuck, you're on the line from Winter Garden. I'll go from you. Now, Yaffe and Michael don't have kids. 
but they were kids. I'm going to find yes. out in a moment whether or not they were spanked and where they are in spanking toddlers. Help me out on this thing. It may not seem like the most important topic, but raising our kids, there's nothing more important than that. And we always included that in our little arsenal as parents, the occasional spanking of our toddlers when needed. I'm not even sure that my kids necessarily agree with that, but none of them ever complained beyond the moment when they scream bloody murder, of course, that somehow we were not the parents we should have been. There seems to be almost universal condemnation of spanking now, but this new study suggesting you can screw up a kid forever, and particularly it comes back to bite you with bad behavior in their teenage years, I don't buy this, do you? 407-916-5400, text line 23680. New study shows you spank your kids as a toddler, and I was spanked as a toddler, um, and we spanked our kids when needed when they were toddlers. Really screws them up, and, uh, and it creates behavior problems, particularly when they're teenagers. I think this is nonsense. Don't you? Yaffe, were you spanked as a kid? Uh, yes. Yes, I was. Yeah. What do you think about it? If you have children, will that be a part of what you do as a parent when needed or not? Um, I think so. I mean, it obviously depends on the behavior of the kid, but there are some kids that that's the only thing they respond to. I agree with that. Michael, what about it? Were you spanked as a little one? It existed in my family. I mean, I'm sure every now and then I got a little swat, but uh, I think the threat of it was was sometimes big enough to do the job. If you have kids along the way here, will you spank them when they need it or not? Um, I don't know. I, I guess I have to I think cross it's that falling bridge when out I come of favor more and more. You know, a lot of parents think that that's you know on some kind of a Neanderthal behavior or whatever. I don't. You you can't debate a two and a half year old. I'm sorry, you just can't. There are sometimes if you need to modify their behavior, sometimes for their own safety. You know, don't go near that hot stove or whatever it happens to be. I think a red fanny is the only way to do it. I do. Let's go to the phones. Shana, you're on with a bud man on spanking. Good morning. From Orlando, Shana. Hey, bud. How are you? I listen to your show every morning. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're a part of the 50,000-watt front porch. Thanks for weighing in on this. Go ahead. Sure. I just want to tell you, I have a 6-year-old and I have a 4-year-old, and I'm told all the time by babysitters and teachers how well-behaved they are. And um, I, I, I've had to spank the 6-year-old a decent amount of time in the past, the four-year-old, very rarely, because when I get in his face and I yell at him, it's enough. Like, he'll cry, mm-hmm. and, and he modifies his behavior. But there's, there's definitely times where timeout and yelling are just, they don't work. And I agree with what you're saying, that when it comes to the safety of the child, you absolutely have to get that point across. I mean, I see kids all the time when we do the drive through at the daycare. They're yeah. running across the street. Like, you you do your job, and by the time they hit like six or seven, mm-hmm. you can take a step back, you know, right. and, and, and you've done your job. I think I hear you say that it kind of depends on the child, and I think that's an interesting point and perhaps a valid one. Thank you, Shana. John's in Kissimmee on spanking toddlers. Does it mess them up when they're teenagers, John, or not? Hey, bud. Yeah, I got two examples fly right in the face of that steady. I had my children with me, and my brother had his children. I spank. He doesn't, and he's vehemently against it. Our kids take off to the parking lot. When I scream stop at the time, my little five-year-old soldier, he stopped because he knew why. 
And Michelson, he kept going. He got ran over and got his leg broke. Oh, boy. Because he wouldn't listen. Just whatever, Dad, and keeps on going. Mm-hmm. And then my family guilt-tripped me into not spanking the next two. And I have way more problems getting the other two clear through high school than I did with the first two. Very interesting there, John. Thank you. Text line incoming, Yaffe. What do we got? Yes, one person has a great text here. says, I spanked all of my children when they were toddlers. One is now a doctor. One is now a COO. And the third one just started law school. So I think they uh, ended up ended up okay. Getting to be not, not too screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Another person says, so participation trophies are good, but spanking, spanking is bad? Somebody please help me here. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's where we're going. Yeah. All right, good stuff, folks. Uh, thanks. An interesting topic here. I didn't know that we'd get any interest in callers. We got more than we can handle. And thank you very much for your insights on this. Um, <sighs> Deborah Roberts joining us right now. And if you are just tuning in, here is the very latest in the wake of the daycare hot van death of little Miles Hill. The state is cracking down on that Orlando daycare where Miles died. DCF says both Orlando locations of Little Miracles Academy are closed until further notice. Those locations are in Paramore, on Plymouth Ave, and on West Colonial Drive as well. The emergency suspension was issued after three-year-old Miles Hill was found dead in a van outside the daycare's Plymouth Ave location. Earlier Wednesday, daycare owner Audrey Thornton issued a tearful apology. I'm sorry, Greg. I'm sorry, Fat. I'm sorry, Chanel. I'm sorry for your loss. And, and I don't want y'all to be upset with me. The three-year-old had been left in the hot van all day Monday and was found later that night. The driver of the van has been fired and will likely face criminal charges. She admitted to not doing a head count. DCF is working with families to find daycare alternatives for their children. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. And now for a little bit of fun. Bud, do you go shopping with your better half, Linda? Depends on what we're shopping for. I do it reluctantly and look for excuses not to. As much as I love being with her, shopping, not my thing. Yeah, well, it's, you know, you, you, do you find a comfortable place to sit and hold her purse in your lap? No. I don't blame you. No, I don't do that. No, I don't Should blame I be you. doing that? No, something? I don't blame I, I think I, I think that's animal cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going with his story? Well, that one Shanghai mall has installed rows of man pods. Men of America rejoice and hope they come here. They're equipped with video games, a reclining chair, and a large television screen. The pods are encased behind clear glass walls to shut out other shoppers. So far, they've proved a home run with weary husbands and boyfriends. The first pods were launched at the Global Harbor Shopping Mall in Shanghai in June, and since then... Over a thousand men have used the facilities. So you go to the mall with your wife. She goes and shops, and you go plant yourself in a man pod. Yes, yes, I'm in. The only problem is there's no air conditioning and there's no snacks or anything to drink. I'm out. <laughs> I was about to say. That was quick. <laughs> Let's go to the food court. Come on, I need some amenities. These chicoms, that's a little too bare bones for the Budman. Manpod users can recline in a chair, though, with a large screen and play some video games. That's cool. Of course, you're going to feel a little bit like a guppy because you're enclosed in behind glass walls while other shoppers are walking around you. 
You know, but still, it gives Man you a place pod. to sit down. Yeah. yeah. Although they're only at Shanghai's Global Harbor Shopping Mall at the moment, plans are in development to expand the facilities to other malls in the near future. And, of course, look for this to come to the state. I'm just glad people are still going to the mall. I know. I, that's that, that's a good point. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, actually. So, so may not have any need for man pods here. So what you're telling me is I need this to come here and then open up a beer stand right next to it. There you go. Yes. There you go. As I say, we need more amenities than they're given the, you know, the Tricoms are uh, giving them all over right, there. All right. We can make this happen. All right. I'm glad you gentlemen are putting on your thinking caps this morning. Yeah, we're paying attention here. <laughs> we may not look like we're, uh, you know, it's we're very plugged important, in. But... Babe. It is very important. I always feel very bad for the guys I see sitting around, you know, looking bored out of their minds. I never understand why the wife says, do you want to go shopping? That would be like <laughs> their version of hell. Never say yes. Yeah, exactly. I just... And then I can't relax and shop the way I want to shop if, if I've got my better half dragging along. <laughs> so I'd, I'd rather shop alone, too. What else is going on? Well, do you remember the Cardinals rally squirrel? No. Well, now they have a rally cat. You did see this video on your We're way to the studio Cardinal this baseball? morning. Yeah, the Cardinals. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, a cat run onto the field at Bush Stadium in the bottom of the sixth inning against the Kansas City Royals Wednesday with two outs and the bases loaded and Yadier Molina at the plate. After a grounds crew member retrieved the cat, who made him pay for it, biting and scratching him all the way off the field, <laughs> Molina belted a grand slam to the very next pitch to put the Cardinals in front for good. Now, if you remember, a squirrel ran across home plate in St. Louis during the 2011 playoffs and was adopted as an unofficial team mascot. No kidding. So, the, the, yeah, well, the Cardinals went on to win the World Series that year. Ah. So now they've got a rally cat to replace their rally squirrel. I bet you that wasn't a black cat. No, it wasn't. But it was an angry cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But who cares? Grand Slam homer? <laughs> exactly. Bases loaded. Bring on, the, bring on the win. The rally cat. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. You're welcome, bud. Deborah Roberts with our news here from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Good morning, Orlando. We care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own doctor, Ken Kronhaus. With breaking health and medical news, my Dr. Ken Kronhaus with a weekly house call here. Welcome back to the 50,000-watt front porch, Doc. Good morning to you. Great to be with you, bud. We're not going to let anyone down today. All right, good deal. Well, here we go. I don't think you ever let anybody down. You do a great job for us here. A lot of folks uh, rationalize marijuana use saying, hey, it's better than cigarettes. Uh, Well, from a heart doctor's perspective, maybe not, right? Exactly. There's a momentum to legalize recreational use for marijuana. Mm -hmm. This is an incredibly important story that broke yesterday, published just yesterday in the European Journal of Preventive Cardiology, that people who use marijuana, but they may be three times more likely to die from high blood pressure than non-users of the drug. Cigarette smoking is a well-established risk factor for high blood pressure and poor cardiovascular health. But according to this new study, marijuana use may be even more harmful. Marijuana, it stimulates the sympathetic nervous system. It leads to increases in heart rate, blood pressure, and oxygen demand. Very, very interesting there. And also, uh, you always have your eyes on, um, on, on, on research in the cardiology field because that's your area of specialization in medicine. And there's some new research on a substance that can cause real problems in terms of your heart attack risk that gets into the arteries. What's the story there? Out of the Journal of the American College of Cardiology this week, bud, 
calcium buildup in the coronary artery, it increases the risk of heart attack. People without calcium buildup in the coronary arteries, they have a significantly lower risk of heart attack or stroke, regardless of also having diabetes, high blood pressure, or high cholesterol levels. Individuals with no calcium buildup in their blood vessels may not have to take statins despite the presence of other risk factors that cause coronary disease. So if you're on the fence about whether you need a statin or not, getting the calcium score may actually break the debate and help you decide. Calcium, it should be in the blood, in the bones, but not in the walls of the circulation to the heart. Boy, that's important information there. You know, we're all saddened with the loss of uh, country and pop music legend Glenn Campbell, complications from Alzheimer's. Help us understand how Alzheimer's kills. What is it that finally enables the body, you know, or, or prohibits the body from continuing on when you have Alzheimer's? Well, a clear answer to that question, I get the Nobel Prize, because country music legend Glenn Campbell recently expired more than six years after he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, but complications from Alzheimer's, it's the sixth leading cause of death in America, where about half a million people die each year because they have the disease. It's the only one of the top 10 causes of death in America that cannot be prevented cured or slowed down. Approximately 5 million Americans 65 and older are living with Alzheimer's, and two-thirds of them are women. Yeah, but what happens? I mean, the brain deteriorates to the point where it doesn't send signals to breathe, or what is it that does you win in the end? That Again, if I could figure that mechanism out, I'd win the Nobel Prize. We could oh. go to Stockholm. And that's <laughs> about as well as we understand okay. it. Okay, okay. Most interesting there. Active uh, area, of very active research. Because, again, we, we just it, – it's the top ten leading cause that we know the least about how to deal with. Okay. Alzheimer's. And on the issue of aging brains, um, there's something out there that can be helpful in keeping you sharp, right? Frontiers in aging neuroscience. Just this week, older women who practice yoga, they may have greater thickness in areas of the brain, but involving in memory and attention, even compared with other healthy, active women their age. Yoga practitioners typically have greater cortical thickness in the brain's left prefrontal cortex. This is a small early study, and it needs to be repeated in large populations. But, but it does seem promising. You know, we talk about epidemics of all kinds in this country, a disease or whatever that breaks out, the obesity epidemic, well chronicled, that we have discussed. We've never talked about a loneliness epidemic, but apparently this is real. What do you know, Doc? Just like stress is real, loneliness is huge. This comes out of this week's annual meeting, the American Psychological Association, that loneliness, it may be more hazardous to your health than obesity, and a growing number of Americans are at risk. About 43 million Americans, adults over age 65, are believed to suffer from chronic loneliness, being connected to others socially. It's a fundamental human need, crucial to both well-being and survival. I'm a little tight on time, but we promoted this, and I want you to comment on new research indicating that while stroke rates are declining in the U.S., which is great news, not so among one very large group. But there's a puzzling trend. From 1999 to 2005, the incidence of stroke declined in both men and women. But from 2005 to 2010, while the rates were among men continuing to drop, they stayed the same for women. Risk factors for stroke, such as obesity, high blood pressure, and irregular heartbeat and diabetes may for some reason affect women differently than men. Yet, lastly, you can remember symptoms of a stroke using the word FAST, F-A-S-T, face drooping, f 
arm weakness, A, speech difficulty, S, and time to call 911. So face drooping, arm weakness, speech difficulty, and time to call 911. Fantastic house call this morning, Doc. Thanks as always. Have a great day at Lake Cardiology. Be well, bud. Thank you. Book an appointment at Lake Cardiology. Ask about the BudScan 2.0 Heart Scan. This could save your life. It saves so many. 352-735-1400. 352-735-1400. Catch Dr. Kronhaus in his nationally syndicated radio program, Good Day Health with Dr. Ken. You can get it right here on WFLA every Sunday afternoon at 2. And don't miss it. Oh, in a moment, Canada suddenly with an influx of illegal aliens. Wait till you hear where they're coming from. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. And Yaffe producing in the control room, Michael handling the calls. It's been a busy morning here in the 50,000-watt front porch. This almost got squeezed out, but I've got a couple of news items on the immigration, legal and illegal front right now. Canada suddenly has an influx of illegal aliens. And they're arresting them on the other side of the border. They brought in the Royal Mounted Police and the whole deal. They had 400 of them come across the border in one place just last Sunday. They're overwhelmed with an influx of illegal aliens. Where are they coming from? They're coming from America. They're listing them in the story as migrants, but that, that's a code word. You know, they don't want to say illegal aliens, okay? But that's what they are. And they're leaving the country here for Canada, even though they know they're going to get arrested. Why? Because they'd rather get arrested and take their chances in Canada, ruled by a liberal prime minister by the name of Trudeau, who will be soft on them, even though they've broken into that country. It's illegal to do what they're doing. They'd rather get arrested in Canada than deported in America. And the word is out, and the Trump administration deportations are way up of illegals. And now suddenly, Yaffe, they are streaming across the border in northern New York with Quebec. You know, if uh, Canada builds a wall before we do, I'm going to be very upset. I'm just Oh, I'm just by saying. the way, on the subject of the wall, it is now reported by Politico that the White House is pushing a deal on Capitol Hill, mixed feelings on this, to head off a government shutdown in late September a deal that would lift strict spending caps long opposed by Democrats. So they get all kinds of these big government programs approved if Congress would approve funding for the Trump wall along the Mexican border. So far, Democrats aren't biting. It'll be interesting to see where this comes. That would be a high price to pay to get this wall built. You know, but know. That, that, seems, that's going on. It seems like they always agree to spend more of our money. <laughs> the compromise is always to spend more, it yeah. seems like. There you go. Also on the immigration front, remember we were talking about the president pitching this uh, plan from a couple of Republican senators, Purdue and Cotton, um, to reduce legal, legal immigration over the next 10 years by 50 percent here and to create a merit system where you let people into this country on a priority basis. First priority goes to those who have skills, you know, versus those who do not those who can support themselves and not go immediately on to welfare, as too many uh, coming into this country do. The latest polling on this um, shows that there's a lot of support for what the president is pitching this particular plan. And um, 55, 60 percent saying, yes, we need to cut down illegal, uh, rather legal immigration substantially to give more job opportunities for American citizens. And the merit-based system 
they like. And so do we. Right, Mike? You know what's really amazing about that poll, too? More millennials support it than don't. Something like 48% of millennials actually support that immigration well, why, plan. Well, wait a minute. Being a millennial yourself, well, why is that amazing? I, I don't know. I'm just, I just hear so many stories about how millennials are too leftist. And yeah. this is one they actually support the president All on right. this. Okay. Michael? Maybe the other half just didn't vote. Well, the, I don't know. <laughs> it's not how polls work, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break here. Yaffe's on tonight in prime time, taking your calls from 7 until 9. We're back tomorrow with a Friday edition from 6 until 9 from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. For Deb, for Yaffe, for Michael, the Bud Men here, thank you so much. God bless you and God bless America.